Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me by by popular demand, his first appearance on the show was uh, was such a hit that people have been asking me when we're going to get him back on. So uh, it's finally time that we get Nick Mercadante back on. Nick, what's going on, man? Hey, Dimitri, how are you? Yeah, I I, uh, I got some I got some good feedback. It wasn't all good though. Some people. Uh, got angry with my goalie takes but that's all right you know what's really funny i um the the wordpress account that i had that i post the podcast on uh, hockeypediocast.com uh like shows me where like sources of of traffic where people are kind of finding the podcast and clicking on it from and uh it what took me to this weird like rangers message board thread and uh and they oh, were God. and there was like a bunch of people just teeing off on us about the uh the Kevin Hayes stuff and then I checked back Uh-oh. like a day later and then some people who were on the same page with us defending Kevin Hayes jumped in there and it was just like it was a bloodbath man I was just like I was just took a step back just ate some popcorn and just uh just enjoyed the show Yeah it's uh yeah the Rangers fans I mean, all fan bases are passionate, but it it just seems like Rangers fans, it's like one side versus the other. And it's infighting. It's pretty hilarious. And I, I again, I, that probably happens with a lot of fan bases. I know that happens. Uh, I, I've, I've seen how Vancouver fans infight. And uh, it, it's funny, but Rangers fans, man, they go at it. It's it's uh, yeah. and and I get caught in the middle. That's that's great. <laughs> um, okay, well, we can talk about the Rangers later, but I think that a good place for us to start uh, this discussion is in the Eastern Conference because we're currently seeing uh, because of injuries, uh, two twenty-one-year-old goalies going head to head, and um, it looks like it's going to be that matchup for the foreseeable future, at least until one of them either just totally falls apart, or I guess if maybe Ben Bishop finally gets healthy uh john cooper might go back to him but this is uh it's it's i guess it's noteworthy because uh all the all the television broadcasts have been telling me that the last time we saw two goalies this young going up against each other in the playoffs involved tom barrasso in the in the 80s or something like that so i think really uh, it was that yeah i i remember i heard something on one of the broadcasts 
That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so it's uh, it's definitely something that we don't see too frequently, and I guess there's a debate to be had about whether it's because these guys generally can't handle this sort of a situation of workload this young of age, or just because the conservative nature of the sport where you really want to see guys mature before they're finally mentally ready to handle it. But I don't know, where do you stand on that? Like, what is... uh. What's the ideal sort of um, regimen you want, you'd want to see your goalie, if you were in charge of these guys, put on to prepare themselves for the for this sort of a stage? See, it's you almost have to like step back to should a goalie even get that opportunity at an age like you know twenty, twenty one, twenty two, and, and or should they should teams just basically pad themselves? with veteran backup types to put in that situation. But then, hey, look at the performance. I mean, yep. Murray, for the most part, has been good. I know there's been a lot of talk about that he's got tells, and there are certain things that I think Tampa has it probably had some time to pick up on mm-hmm. with him, uh, especially involving his glove side uh, and and also the way he, um, he doesn't really use his stick on low shots, so he gives up a lot of direct rebounds off his pad so they're they're picking him apart and he's a young goalie and he's he's probably not accustomed to that so he he may not know his own strengths and weaknesses um or or he may not be prepared to adapt that way and i think that that's you know probably one of the things that i would start on if if i were talking to a young goalie and trying to prepare him for a stage like this I i would say look this team is preparing just for you. They don't have another team they're going to be facing tomorrow night. Um, they're not. They're, they're not looking at you know a, a schedule of a bunch of different goalies. They're preparing just for you. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna they're gonna find your flaws. And you're 21 years old, and we don't expect you to you know know how to fix everything overnight or, or with you know a day off between games. So you just got to go out and play your game. And let the chips fall where they may, and 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 you know I would talk them through. Hey, you know, you're, you know, when you're moving to your left, your glove is dropping down on your pad, and then you have to readjust it, and that's why they're finding room up high. But with goalies, I, I think they're, you know, any goalie, it, it's such a delicate balance, right? You, you don't want to, you don't want to make them think too much mm-hmm. because. Um, they're they're going to get lost in it, and then something else is going to go off, and they're going to end up like John Bernier this season, where you know he works on head tracking, and then suddenly he can't stop pucks from the blue line. Right, <laughs> and we I mean we've definitely seen countless examples of guys that sort of uh, just get the yips, right? Where it's like yeah, out of nowhere, out of yeah. nowhere, just completely fall apart, and and you you see these sort of routine saves that they would have otherwise been making just kind of go through them and you're wondering what happened and, and it just it, it's one of those situations where we don't really uh analytically speaking try to delve into it too much because it's sort of this uh i don't know intangible um kind of psychological framework stuff that we can't really quantify but it's definitely i mean there is a human element to it particularly uh, at this position there's right? hugely a human element and i talk a lot with um kevin woodley um, who who is an NHL writer and he writes uh, for In Goal magazine, and I talk with Dan Stewart, who's a goalie coach um, working in juniors in Canada, and we're kind of all in the same we're, we're cut from the same cloth where we think that goalies really do need uh, handlers of sorts, one on one handlers that um, you know that are involved in development, and they don't have to be 
you know, the former pro who can tell you, hey, this is how I did it when I was in the league or whatever it may be. They, they kind of have to be guys that get how you tick and, and they have to be good goalie coaches, obviously, as well. Uh, and they have to understand what your psychology is and what your mental makeup is and be able to, um, you know, help you help you as a goalie find whatever mental state will, will help you perform the best. So there's a huge intangible psychological element to goaltending. And I really believe that. Um, and, and it, you know, I think it gets magnified when, when you're looking at um, a playoff series where every so much is riding on it everybody's watching and you're playing the same team over and over again and they are looking for your flaws and 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 it's harder i think it's harder for a goalie to adapt to what a team is doing than it is for for the team to you know find something that a goalie is doing and, and pick it apart in a in a single game or in a series so it's it's really 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 hard and it's really hard to quantify um and i you know but I, I look at a young goalie, like a 21 year old, and I go, well, maybe they're, they're, you know, maybe you're telling them don't think too much. And maybe that's an advantage that they might have over um, somebody who's had some more experiences in the league. I don't know. Right. Um, well, but, the, you know, the question that I have um, sort of circling back to my idea of, of the nurturing and when these guys are going to be ready is we've definitely seen the NHL as a whole has uh, progressively gotten younger and younger as teams try to realize that at least for skaters, their prime is probably younger, a few years earlier than we would have thought before. It's usually generally in the sort of mid to late 20s as opposed to late 20s, early 30s. And, and teams are trying to squeeze more value out of them on the cheap while they have all those RFA years. And I don't know, I, I, I have to admit, I haven't necessarily looked at the, the breakdown by age over the years for the goaltending position, but I feel like it hasn't been as pronounced of a change um, in that. Um, I could be wrong, but I, that's at least the way I sort of anecdotally feel. And I'm just wondering whether, you know, teams would be wiser to give some of these guys uh, right off the bat rather than keeping them kind of toiling away in the AHL for three, four years, uh, giving them 25, 30, 35 starts uh, during the regular season as a backup at the NHL level and, and squeezing value out of them that way as opposed to waiting a few years down the road. Yeah, I you know I think tradition traditionally goalies have kind of been they've been treated a little bit like catchers in baseball, mm-hmm. um, where just there's this general assumption that because you know a catcher in baseball they've got to learn all the calls and they've got to learn all their pitchers and and there's there's you know assumed kind of requisite maturity level that comes with that I guess and I think goalies have been treated the same way to a certain extent and you know I don't want to put my foot in my mouth and. and you know, say for certain that it, goalies haven't gone younger, just like, you know, like what you said. But I think you're right. I think, I, I, I don't think um, there's been this huge push to get goalies up into the league uh, at a younger age. And I don't know, I don't know if there should be. Mm. Um, you know, some of the, some of the research that, that folks have done. So there, so um, Garrick, who's a, a hockey grass writer. Right. He did a, a really great study a few years ago using Marcells, and Marcells are basically it's it's, it's a, a essentially a, a way to regress performance and then create a simple prediction model. Uh, and he did that with goalies. He used regular save percentage. You know, obviously now a few years later we've come further with adjusted save percentage and 
and goal saved above average and, and, and all those different things that I'm doing and other folks are doing. But, but he ran that study and he, and he came out to that the prime for a goalie is really about 25 years old, right. which is probably younger than what people would assume the prime would be or historically have treated goalies like. Because not many goalies get into the league and they're established at 25. Um, so it begs the question, should they? Now, the, the work that I've done uh, with adjusted goal save above average per 60 um, it's coming out to more like 27, 28, which is historically what I think most people are shooting for uh, when, when or most uh, front offices are shooting for when they say, look, let's get the best years of our goalie. Right. Um, they're looking at 27, 28, 29. Um, so it's unsettled. You know, I, I don't think we've, we've quite figured out if we should push goalies a little bit earlier or leave them in the AHL to get seasoned. I don't think we figured out if, you know, getting them into the league early and giving them, like you said, 25, 30 games is, is going to somehow uh, be a detriment to their development or it's going to be a boon to their development. I, I don't think we know for sure. And maybe it's, maybe, you know, it's a truly a case by case basis. Right. And, you know, it's, it's completely variable. Uh, to the individual. Um, well, the thing that I wonder is like, so a good example for me is a guy like Corey Schneider, right? Where he, the Canucks really took their time with him. They gave him uh -huh. after, after a few years in college, they gave him a few years in Manitoba and the AHL and eventually slowly, uh, they kind of dipped his toes in the water. I remember one year they gave him like five or six games and then the next year a bit more. And then finally he was like 25 years old by the time they gave him 25 games as a backup behind Luongo. And while a lot of people were proclaiming that the Canucks did a great job being patient with him, uh, and letting him season the AHL. And that's a reason why he's such a mature, ready goalie <laughs> for the NHL. As soon as you showed up, I, I just think that it's tough not to look at that and be like, okay, but maybe he would have been ready when he was 21 and, exactly. and now they just wasted yeah. four really cheap RFA years that they could have uh, used out of him especially for a contending team that could have spent that money elsewhere and instead they were uh, letting him stay in the AHL so I just wonder it is like probably a case-by-case -case basis it, and it's tough to just pinpoint uh, yeah. like that but. I, I you know you know the issue always with goalies is getting enough data to um, really determine if something is um, you know, if, if there's any correlation with, with one decision or another, right. um, I mean, it's true with just getting enough data to analyze a goalie's performance and getting enough shots. Um, everything's a kind of a small sample. So when you're looking at young goalies, there's just countless examples on both sides, uh, uh of the coin. You know, you've got, um, just in recent memory, you've got a goalie like Gibson where, Boy, he's been all over the place as a young goalie. You see the potential. I think anybody, even an untrained eye, would say this guy is a, a supreme athlete who could be a great goalie. But they throw him into the fire, and he struggles. And he, you know, his short uh, playoff experience, he's been terrible. Mm -hmm. um, and then you look at a goalie like Matt Murray, and it's the opposite. Right. Um, you look at Vasilevsky, and it's and it's the opposite. Um, it's really hard to say if, you know, a goalie like a Schneider, if he came up, let's say at 22, uh, years old or 23 years old, whatever it is, if he would have ended up, uh, like a Steve Mason where essentially, you know, Mason came in, uh, and was lights out, but raw 
the league figured him out. He struggled, struggled for a while, and he didn't get the goalie coaching. And then he kind of, in his, you know, uh, when he hit about 24, 25, he started to resurrect his career in Philadelphia. And, and now he's, he's really at the top of the league. So, um, you know, I'd say Mason is a perfect example of a goalie where I think they brushed him, they pushed him too quickly. He didn't get the attention he needed, and he really fell flat. He could have been out of the league. Um, before he ever realized his potential. And who knows with a a goalie like Schneider, if waiting was just the right thing, or if, or like you said, if they could have gotten more out of him, uh, it's just so hard to say. I'm just pretty impressed that you waited 15 minutes before mentioning Steve Mason. uh, (laughs) A lot of people had the under on that. (laughs) Yeah, I know folks, uh, you're, you're, drinking game at home you're all sober sorry <laughs> yeah no Vasilevsky I mean it, it might honestly be a type of thing where he's just such a freak that he's gonna bust any any sort of uh you know past strategic ideas we might have had about the position right because it's like he's had such a weird year and it might have even been the past couple of years now where they've been like sending him back and forth between the AHL and the NHL just yeah. to get some starts and bringing up good Levskis to take his place and it's been all over the place and you would you know you would think that if there was ever an opportunity for a young guy's head to get all out of whack and his performance to slip because of uh, being misused he'd be the the perfect candidate for that but it hasn't hasn't worked at all it's it's so bizarre i mean look yeah and i I may have probably i probably even misspoke a few minutes ago like i I, yeah i should clarify vasilevsky this year really had a tough season when he played he was uh well below average Mm -hmm. and then he comes in for the playoffs and what's he been in? He's been in four games so far, yeah, right? Nine thirty-five save percentage. Yeah, nine thirty-five save percentage. His his uh, adjusted uh, GSA uh, per sixty is Mercad is uh, uh, positive point eight four six. So just to put it in perspective, it's uh, a, an elite goalie on a seasonal average is anywhere between uh, let's say point three five and point five, and he's right now at point eight four six. I mean, he's just like blowing it out of the yeah. water in four games. In four fair. games. Yeah. In four games, yeah. right? Of course. But the point is, in four games in the playoffs in a in a short series, that's a pretty amazing, and he, and he he could make a difference for them. Um, so yeah, it, 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 there you go. How, how do you judge where his mental state is at? Who knows? Yeah. Um, it sure seems like he's he's been you know pretty solid here. So um, well, we're in agreement that generally speaking, you want to prevent your starter during the regular season from accumulating too many miles. Like you, what, what would an ideal split for you be in a vacuum? It would be like. Uh, 55 games 60 games for your starter and then the rest for the backup do you does that sound like a yeah. reasonable number yeah i think so i think really what you're trying to do is you're trying to avoid taxing a guy i here's where i think you know age and and relative peak comes into uh, play you know if you've got a, a goalie who's probably past their performance peak chances are once you get past your performance peak as a goalie um the the odds are that you're um, a game away from injury, mm-hmm. and, and that really starts. I mean, it could start any time for a goalie. Look at Carey Price, but um, it, you know, it really starts in earnest for goalies when they're hitting twenty nine, thirty years old. You start to see the groin injuries and the the hip injuries and the knee injuries of of all that impact on the ice, especially the big goalies, right? So I, I think you're you're looking at the age, you're looking at the 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 
the makeup of the goalie physically, and you're you're probably saying, okay, I, I've got to weigh, um, you know, the mileage for a big goalie. Let's let's say Bishop, for example, a big goalie who's um, he's 29 going on 30, I believe, off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably don't want to tax him with back to backs. You probably don't want to tax him with you know three games and six or seven nights. Um, so right there, you're you're cutting into his total by let's call it 20 some odd games. Um, and then, and then maybe cutting it down a little bit more, um, giving him 50 to 55 max is probably what you're shooting for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at it right now and, uh, of the goalies still alive, Martin Jones is, is pacing them with 65 starts this year. And, and even I, I feel like those 65 aren't necessarily indicative of the workload he had because, uh, James Reimer was starting a lot of those games down the stretch. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like he probably got a nice little opportunity there to recharge and, and, and get, you know, healthier and, and more rested and, and become more available for these playoffs. So yeah, I mean, it, it, I've, I've been beating this drum for a while that like the, the blues, I, I feel like did it perfectly. And some of it was because of injuries. So they had to mix mm-hmm. it up, but like it, it, they were going for that like 41, 41 split between Elliot and, and Jake Allen. It felt like, and I think that is, is really, if you can do that, like I understand, you got to massage those egos and i'm sure that each of these guys would love to you know play 70 games and and, and try to chase that wins record like holtby did this year and and all that sort of stuff but if you can manage them and and keep those games down it it could really benefit you late in the season of course yeah look at a goalie like ryan miller if you ask ryan miller he wants to be in every single game um you know, he's such a competitor and, and most goalies are that way. If you, if you asked me when I was playing, I want to play every damn game. It doesn't matter. Um, most goalies are going to say, I want to be in the net. Um, they're not going to say, Oh, well, I'm feeling a little tired. My knees swollen. You know, I, I, sh- I should probably take a night off. Um, but the reality is, is that a guy like a Ryan Miller, he got helped by, um, playing a little bit less. Uh, he, you know, he, he had a great season and he went back to playing his aggressive style, which is a style that is tiring for, Mm -hmm. especially for a guy his age. Um, but they didn't overtax him. Um, he, you know, he missed a little bit of time with injury, but most of the time, uh, they were just spelling him and he had a, he had a really, really solid season. So it makes you say, well, maybe, you know, there's something to uh, a timeshare, um, more than most goalies are willing to give it credence, maybe they should just do it and just split goalies that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, at the list of goalies that'll be available this summer in free agency. It's a, it's a pretty rough list. I, I, James yeah, Reimer is obviously a very intriguing guy. And I, I'm very curious to see whether a team brings him in to give him a fair shot at a starting gig or whether he's relegated to more of a backup role. And maybe he just stays in San Jose and likes it there. We'll see. But other than that, it's, it's, it's pretty rough, man. You want to know my sneaking su- suspicion? I think he's going to go back to Toronto. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. I, I think I think uh, I think he might go back to Toronto. I, he was hey, he was great this year. Um, so if he can uh, if he can keep that bottled up, I know he did uh, a ton of work last off season to fix his game, and it seems like it paid off. Uh, he was really great, and and it's not like when he got traded to San Jose, it stopped. I think he was, no, he was just amazing. as good, if not better. Yep. Um, well, so the, the thing that blows yep. my mind is like 
what? So the, the, the Sharks got him for a fourth rounder at the deadline. And I guess you could argue it might have just been one kind of big deal because they also did the Polak and Spalling trade for two second round picks. So maybe you just throw both those trades in there and just say that they were a kind of a package deal. But yeah. I just like the stars. I understand that you don't want to mess with things too much and bring in a third guy. <laughs> and then it brings up a lot of questions and awkwardness in the dressing room and all that jazz. But like, we we had this discussion last time you came on the show where Antti Niemi, where when he's good, he's really good. And when he's bad, he's really bad. And and he had an 865 save percentage in these playoffs. So I think that... Uh, he was he was <laughs> atrocious. Yes. And it just playoffs. blows my mind that James Reimer, like he definitely could have helped that team. So yeah. it just like, I, I just wonder uh, why a team like the Stars didn't try to address that. Because it's been something we've been talking about for not even just this full year, really, since the start of last year, that this team is really good and they can score as many goals as anyone yeah. in the league, but can they well, stop enough? Dimitri, could it possibly be that they don't know how to evaluate goalies? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a, yeah. a good I, I, Honestly, I really do think, I think that that's the case with the Stars. I, I, I don't think they really knew, knew what they were doing in the offseason when they decided to um, you know, commit so much money to their tandem. Uh, I think they had a, a, an idea in their head, like, well, we've got two experienced goalies, we can do a timeshare. You know, both of them will be healthier and will ride the the hot hand. I think mm-hmm. that's what they had in theory, but they didn't do a good job of analy- of uh, analyzing what they actually had in Lettinen uh, and what he had left in the tank. And they probably didn't know enough about Niemi's game to understand that. Um, I think he's a goalie that that you just want to leave him in and catch him on and. And you know, take the good, really good starts with the bad ones, and and then it equals out. But in the playoffs, that could be a, a an absolute nightmare um, of guesswork. So, yeah, I think they screwed up, and it'll be interesting to see what they do in the off season, um, especially because it's slim pickings uh, as far as the the free agents. Um, Freddie Anderson's an interesting mm. uh, guy that's out yeah. there. Um, I think there's. There's there are rumors that Calgary is going to be interested in him, um, which yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's Freddie Anderson is he's fairly steady. He's uh, he um, you know he's pretty consistently good, you know, and not great, but just league good um, for the past two seasons. If you let him play, um, I think he could be a decent goalie for you. He's it'll be a lot better than the tire fire they had this year so yeah yeah i'm looking at the uh the list of uh on general manager the list of free agents but for sorted by goalies and it obviously goes from top down based on cap hit and cam ward's the first guy and then it's hiller and ramo and, and hiller's obviously already signed overseas so uh calgary's yeah. definitely gonna need someone to, to eat up some of those starts and i feel like uh the baseline is pretty low for what would be considered an improvement from this season so i feel like anderson <laughs> even even if even if you're not as high on him as some people are like if you just say he's a league average guy that would be a dramatic improvement for them next year yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And and I think he's one of those goalies that, that benefits from not getting jerked around too much where, you know, he kind of, he's, his demeanor strikes me that way. But more than anything, it's it's the way he plays. Um, he has a ton of repetitive motion in his game. So, like, if you just say, like, look, you're going to play these games, be ready for them. I think he's ready to go and, and he'll just do what he does. Um so I, I, you know, I, if I was 
if I was in the front office of Calgary, I'd say, look, let's just get some stability in net after this past season. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, you know, they've got the young guys coming up. Um, so I, I think, I think he'd be a nice pick pickup for them. Right. Um, I mean, what are, what are the other options? What, yeah. What are your thoughts on Cam Ward? You oh know, my gosh, like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm convinced that okay, this is my theory, um, and it's not substantial. Like I haven't talked to anyone within the organization, so I can't verify. But I just feel like Carolina. We know that their front office is 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 smart, and they know what they're doing. And and I, I think they realized that uh, they weren't necessarily ready to make any sort of tangible noise this year. But their skaters were good enough. They were they were a good possession team, and they were and their Bill Peters had them really playing the right way in terms of controlling the puck and controlling the, the pace of the game, where they could do all these things and sort of set up the framework for what their team's going to look like in years to come. But make sure they also get a, another high pick in this year's draft uh, because their goalies would just give up enough goals that it would sort of submarine the rest of the process. So I think it was like because they were playing Cam Ward on like the second of a back to back handful of times, and it's like okay. This team like has to something's up here. Just not passing the sniff test. Yeah, yeah. That is the uh, the old you know uh, intentional tank. Yes, uh, conspiracy. But but I, I sort of like that because I, I think the Coyotes were doing something similar. Not not necessarily their hands were sort of tied by the fact that they have this Albatross Mike Smith contract, and there's very little they could really do with it. Otherwise, I guess they could buy them out, but they're they're not gonna. Uh, throw around that much money needlessly. Well, so, it, but you know what's funny this year? Smith was actually awesome. Mm. He, he he was actually really solid this year. He right. he was up. Uh, he was point three three eight. At the start of the year, he was amazing. Yeah, he was, and, and then he got injured, and he was out for a while. He came back, and he and he was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, they got. I think they. I think that's exactly right. What you're saying. I don't think they expected to get the goaltending they got. Mm-hmm. I I know they they couldn't have expected it out of uh, Louis Domingue. I mean. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> if they, if that was their intention, uh, they probably, it, it would have been interesting if they, uh, you know, dug a little deeper and, and went really deep into the, uh, into the system to find somebody who would let them tank. <laughs> yeah. Well, the best, well, the best was, I remember cause Smith did get off to that amazing start and he had a bunch of like 40 save shutouts and, yeah. and then he, he went out with injury and it was at the time when the coyotes were still riding a little bit of that PDO bender and, and Domi and Duclair were putting up a bunch of points and people were like, Oh, the coyotes are so fun to watch. And then they were actually winning some games and people were like, do you think that the coyotes should try and address this hole in net now and bring in someone else? And I was just like, no, no, I think they're perfectly content with uh, this Anders Lindback poo-poo platter of 880, yeah. 880 save percentage kind of just ruining everything else that's going on because they're going to keep playing 5-4 games that are going to be exciting and they're going to help develop their young skater talent, but they're not going to ruin their draft position this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, hey... If I was if I was in the front office, I'd I'd probably do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's smart. Who who cares? Um, all right, let's uh let's look kind of big picture. This, do you have any sort of uh plans this summer for stuff you are gonna look into, or, or are you just gonna be refining the the, the Mercat, or what are your plans this summer? Well, I, so yeah, I I do have some plans. I've had some plans for a while, but I just never write them. Um, <laughs> Sounds very mysterious. But, I've got some yeah. plans. No, so so the stuff that I talked about um, at the Vancouver Analytics Conference, which was 
um, refining Mercad. So, so um, really getting this um, data adjusted goal saved uh, version of Mercad, which is you know, it's basically the same thing where we're adjusting for shot location, adjusting um, uh, against the league average in each shot location. Right. Uh, but then uh, doing it for each score situation. So basically what, what I found was, um, and, and through other people's work like Matt Kane from Hockey Graphs, I found that um, goalies perform con- different, differently in different score situations, and it's consistent uh, across seasons and across the league. So, um, so it's, it's refining Mercad, and, and we're going to release... Um, myself and, and Micah Blake McCurdy uh, are starting to work together to, to possibly release some stuff on Hockey Viz, which is his uh, website. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we haven't, you know, quite completely fleshed it out, but we'll, we'll probably do some articles and and um, and then he'll, you know, do some of his uh, Viz magic uh, with with that stat, and then also uh, do some art, follow up articles on hockey graphs. Um, I, 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 the, the big thing that I really want to dig into is this win threshold concept yep. and how it actually impacts winning, um, and losing. Um, I, I, you know, I really feel like we're never, we're never really going to convince hockey people that, um, we shouldn't analyze goalies by whether they win games or not. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm just being a realist, you know, like, right. I just think that you know, at the end of the day, well, do you do you, th- do you really think that? Because I feel like in baseball, I feel like people have generally come to grips with the fact that like pitcher wins, for example, aren't as big of a thing as they were, say, even five years ago, but definitely like ten years ago. Like I, that gives me a yeah. little bit of optimism. But that's true. Uh, I, I get what you're saying, where there's always going to be this segment of the crowd that just like, nope, trust me, there's this internal battle that the goalie has to to win to to wind that's up right. pulling this yeah. game out, right? Like, and, and that the you know the goalie just has this ability to give up one less goal than the other team. Yeah. Uh, you know, gives up and, it's the and timely saves, man. It's the that's timely right, saves, the timely saves as opposed to the untimely saves. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I, it's, it's kind of, it's not me giving up. <laughs> just want to make <laughs> it clear. Um. I do, but I do want to. It's. I think it's that what it could unlock is, um, truly how much a goalie contributes to winning. That's that's really what I'm going for. So. Um, I, I'm not, you know, folks that I talk to know that I'm not a huge fan of the war type stats, the wins above replacement type mm-hmm. stats, um, the all inclusive stats. But I think that this win threshold percentage, uh, will at least give us a better sense of the true contribution of a goalie to winning independent of whether their team can score goals or not. Yep. Um, so I, I'm going to be working on that. I'm going to be refining it using the data adjusted goal saved especially looking at, um, I guess, the situations that matter to winning, which is the one-goal situations, um, to see if there are certain goalies that, uh, you know, who knows, maybe they do uh, perform drastically differently uh, when a game is, is, you know, could be decided by a goal. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I want to dig more into, and, and there's just so much to, to look at. In, in that area and, and so much that's kind of untapped. We're still, we're still firmly in goalies or voodoo world. So it's yeah. trying to bring it out. 
you know? Yeah, whenever, whenever I have conversations, either whether it's like on radio or <clears throat> if someone's kind of privately asking me and trying to pick my brain, like, all right, like what's the, what's the next thing we're looking at for goalies or, or, or what do you, what's one stat you look at? I'm just like, I don't know. Just go, just go follow and, and Merck at on Twitter because I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. Like, <laughs> like I was, I was, I was, uh, I was telling people even a few months ago that I, I'm skeptical of, uh, Brian Elliott and he, and he's looking mighty good in these playoffs. So what do I know about this position really? Yeah, it, it, you know, the the fun thing, uh, so I, I've got a, a couple other, you know, goalie people or whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're I think cool. they're called weirdos. Yeah, they're weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was a joke. I apologize to everyone listening. Please don't don't get upset with me. It was a joke. Yeah, that's that's the thing. If you if you cross them, they will come after you. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. Um, well, so anyways, it's it's funny because I do get that a lot. I get a lot of people that just kind of throw their hands up and they and they go, uh, I don't know, you know, ask Nick. I have no idea what this goalie's doing. And so I try, you know, I try to subjectively analyze goalies and what they're actually, you know, physically doing out there and whether it's right or wrong or or, or whatever it may be. And then I try to objectively do it with the stats. And um, it's really it's been really interesting because um, goalie people will call me on it either way, whether it's subjective or objective. And I think out of that, you know, sometimes it's frustrating as all hell because I just don't, you know, there's only so many disagreements I can handle on Twitter before I lose my mind. Um, But other times it's really good because you start to kind of tease out these different concepts that maybe we can dig into and get some objective data on to to proof it. Um, you know, the, 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 the most important thing is going to be unlocking more data, whether it's through manual tracking or, or chip tracking or whatever it may be. Um, that's the most important thing, um, to propel us forward. Uh, but I, I really, I really do like, uh, this, this, this kind of growing niche of people that are willing to look at goalie stuff Mm -hmm. and, and try to figure it out. Uh, so, so it's been fun. Well, I mean, it's it's remarkable that it's taken this long. I understand that it's such a complex subject, and there's so many different factors and variables that it's it, it makes sense that it's the thing we know the least about right now. But like thinking about just like how much of the cap is devoted to that one position, and and ultimately how much of it, like if uh, if you're not getting adequate performance, regardless of what the other guys are doing, as we just saw with the stars, uh, that one position can really ultimately dictate the the fate of your team. So I feel like uh, getting to know as much as possible and trying to kind of avoid some of these landmines and and figure uh-huh. out how to optimize performance at the position is something that uh, is going to really uh, propel the game a lot a long way in. The years to come yeah you know i think at the end of the day really what we're trying to do is figure out how much we should be paying goalies specific goalies and then just goalies in general based on their general performance level that's really what it's about in Mm -hmm. in this you know cap constricted world um so you know some of what i'm doing you know the objective data work that i'm doing we're, we're putting it through the prism of that with uh, Carolyn Wilkie's um, salary bands and trying to figure it out, trying to figure out are goalies on the whole underpaid, overpaid? Um, are elite goalies paid what they should be paid? Does a $10 million 10-year contract make sense for the best goalie in the world? Hmm. Um, and, you know, does it make sense to lowball uh, other goalies to and, and just kind of ride it out with whatever you get, hmm. um, average goalies? I think there's a lot of um, 
there's probably a lot of inequity in, in how goalies are paid, and there's a lot of opportunity for smart uh, front office people to take advantage of that and, um, you know, sign a guy like a Freddie Anderson um, to not a low-ball contract but an inexpensive contract comparatively and probably get pr- pretty good goaltending out of him. Right. Um, so so that's, that's, I think, really what it's all about. I mean, look – Goalies, we were we were always like, um, at least I was. Maybe I was a weirdo. I don't know, but um, we were always like the, you know, you're the you're the kid playing by himself over on the other side of the ice, like the kid by himself in the sandbox, right? And you know, you didn't get the coaching when you were in youth hockey, and you just are left to your own devices, and they just say, hey, stop the puck. Um, so it's almost not even that surprising that it's taken so long for people to dig into goalies because it's just, you know, it's a tradition of hockey. They just kind of get ignored and everybody goes, I don't know, that's the goalies. Yeah, so yeah there's, I, this, there's this mystique behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, man. Well, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of work you do this summer, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get you back on to work our way through it and, and, and talk it out because there's, uh, as I mentioned, there's a lot of great stuff here for us to still unpack and um, – Worst case, I mean, we can get you back on after Kevin Hayes' RFA rights are traded for a second-round pick to some team. So Yeah, yeah, I can see if I can uh, work up to death threat status on Twitter. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, and people can follow you on Twitter at nmercat and, and check out all of your fine written work at Hockey Graphs, right? Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah I, 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 uh, I promise I promise to my Hockey Graphs people I'm going to write up a bunch of stuff. But, you know, until then, I'll just, uh, I'll just talk about it with you. Excellent. Okay, man, we'll chat soon. All right, thanks. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO Cast. Mm-hmm.